Well, we have a full intro section uh, for the first time in a while. What? Uh, tell me what you've been watching, man. Dude, honestly, it's hard because I've been camping a little bit, as you know. Sure. Uh, so I haven't been watching as much. They just came out with a new season of The Holiday Great British Bake Off, which I know you like oh. that show just as much as me, so you'd probably love to check it out. I haven't What's checked cool out like, about... yeah, the spinoff things I've seen on Netflix or like the different versions of it or All Stars, I think, is a thing as well. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That, the so there's one that's like literally Paul and mary berry like teaching you how to cook some things that have been on the show hell yeah very cool the holiday thing is they bring people that you love from the past seasons back that didn't win so like i'm not gonna tell you who's on it because you're gonna be like oh my god (laughs) i hope i don't know how many past seasons you've watched but if you've watched like all the seasons every holiday episode makes you go oh my god because they bring back someone from like season three season seven and the most recent one like every time you know what i mean awesome yeah um but i also wanted to briefly mention i now that i'm talking and remembering (laughs) i started two shows both shows were shows i've been very like "Uh, i hope these aren't bad so i'm not gonna start them yet and both i'm still feeling that way about which is interesting (laughs) interesting yeah I checked out an episode of Better Call Saul, which you oh, knew about. okay. Yeah, right. And I checked out an episode of The Mandalorian. Yeah. Man, those are both shows that I think I feel the same way about. A I'm going to keep been... watching both of them okay, because yeah. of how much people talk about both of them. Yes. But they both feel like someone who loved the original entity made a fan thing. Yeah. Do you know sure. what I mean by that? Yeah, yeah, that's pretty the, cool. They're in different ways. So Better Call Saul, I don't think this is a spoiler because this is mm. like the first two minutes of the show. Yeah. Immediately, this first episode feels like, remember all these guys from Breaking Bad? Right. And remember how Breaking Bad feels? Well, this is different, but like, it's the same universe. <laughs> You're going to love it. Right. That feeling kind of was like, a, uh, yeah, I I that doesn't... I watched and just the, that first the episode. other 50... Yeah, yeah, that first episode's very easy to turn you off because the yeah. other fifty percent feeling it gives you is like, wow, this is a unique show. Like, this sure. feels it's directed uniquely, mm-hmm. and I hope that that's what it leans on as I continue to watch it because that's what'll keep me hooked. If it yeah. leans more in that other fifty percent, the fan service will say, then I'll probably fall <laughs> right. off. Yeah. Mandalorian is the exact same way, but in a slightly different tone. It's obviously not like a serious thing, like. Yeah, Better Call Saul is right. Breaking yeah. Bad kind of, you know what I mean? That serious drama. It did seem like they're kind of trying to go for that a little bit. Man, I'm just realizing yeah. those are both shows that I felt the same way about and have seen only the first episode of both of those shows. And oh, so you've also seen the first episode, just of the first episode of both and of them. So yeah. you know how I'm feeling right now. Of like, yes, is this fan service? Is this the kind of right. Star Wars I want? I am one of those guys, and I hope this doesn't take some viewers out of our or listeners out of our podcast. This is almost a thing I dare not to say, but <laughs> yeah. I'm one of those guys who like really liked The Last Jedi in yeah. it being yeah, a too. fresh direction. Yes. I also think it has flaws. I'm not like a oh you know, yeah, it's not it's a perfect the movie, best movie ever. I like but what all it did. Star Wars movies has flaws. Yes, they all do. Yeah, Empire absolutely. Strikes Back. I just saw when. Uh, freaking movie theaters were kind of opening back up and drive-ins were playing all the old movies you know yeah yeah. i was able to see empire strikes back at a drive-in 
Mm. And it was amazing. It was amazing. And it was filled with flaws. And they all made it a movie. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I don't think The Last Jedi is as good as Empire Strikes Back as far as like straight up as good of a movie. But it yeah. like gives me that freshness that I love about Star Wars. The Mandalorian didn't give me that at all. Mm-hmm. In a similar tone to like, I would almost say like The Force Awakens, but... I even like The Force yeah. Awakens a little more because it's got some punchy direction. You know what I mean? It's yeah. There's some dope things going on in that movie. <laughs> the Mandalorian does feel a little held back by its like I don't know if it's the budget or the actors that they were able to get. Or... I have heard a lot with the most recent season that they're doing some stuff that's like really switching switching it up, and it's very exciting to a lot of people. So, um, I mean, it was interesting it, enough for me, me to begin probably... with. Like, if it's a show I don't like, that is the kind of thing that'll make me keep watching anyway. Right. Which is yeah. always the worst. Isn't that the worst when you know something good <laughs> yeah. might come of a show, so you watch, yeah. like, the whole show? Right. But also, That like, happens rarely. Know, I The biggest case that always sticks out in my mind is Parks and Rec. It's like, that is an amazing show. I love that show. It's brought me so much warmth and happiness. Uh, I mean, in the period of time I was watching it, I, I, I spent, like, I don't know, I... Of se- several months watching the whole thing at one point in time and just loved it so much but you gotta slog through that first season and a half like i totally agree some people don't there are people out there i've talked to about this and about like the office because the office to me is similar the first season is like ugh, yeah. rough because it's just the british office but with american people doing british jokes which just yeah. doesn't work right but then you know uh mitchell one of our close friends considers that like maybe the best season of the office and i've heard people say the same about parks and rec like they like Hmm. that the feeling it gives which i think is more of like uh are we trying to do a new office or are we trying to do our own thing right and after a season and a half they decided we're doing our own thing and that's what makes it great i haven't been watching movies a whole lot recently I'll, i'll touch on that in a second i watched a ton in the a period of time when we were doing a couple movies and didn't have our intro section to talk about other stuff and then took a slightly longer break before starting season two. One that I want to bring up that just really struck me, and I forgot, it's such a good movie. And in fact, uh, I think I put it on our, our list for possibilities of, of this podcast. Stranger Than Fiction, like one Ooh. of Will Ferrell's best performances ever. And honestly... All the performances in that movie long are so good. Maggie Gyllenhaal, Maggie Gyllenhaal, right? So yeah. charming and fantastic in that movie. Uh, uh, Emma Thompson is incredible in that movie. Queen Latifah's fantastic. Dustin Hoffman plays such. I just love seeing that character I've on screen. Completely forgot Queen Latifah and Dustin Hoffman were even in that movie. Yeah, I, in that my head, I'm only imagining Maggie Gyllenhaal and Will Ferrell. I'm gonna rewatch like that arguing like, in, a bakery. in the next couple. Yes. Yes, yeah. that's what yep. I'm imagining. <laughs> that, that's all you're, th- and then like him yelling at himself in the mirror. But like, it's such yeah, like a with a toothbrush movie. Like... Yeah, um, uh, I remember really it being formative for me because that was one of those like I was like 14, 15, 16. If you don't know the the movie, the premise, this is like the very premise of the movie. Emma Thompson is a writer who is writing a book about a guy who is going to die. And that guy is Will Ferrell. And he hears her, like, narrating his voice in his head. And it has a lot to do with, like, existential stuff. And uh, it was 
I remember it being kind of difficult for me to watch as a kid because I, I hadn't grappled with those things in my life really at all. Not to say I'm like, have a mastery over them now, but, uh, you know, I'm a lot more capable to consider some of those things. Um, I, I think it would be an interesting one to do on the show, especially for that reason. But I haven't been watching any movies or TV. Well, I've been watching uh, episodes of Gravity Falls, but mostly... I've been playing Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, and it's just the best game that I. I mean, oh, I'm not even I'm really a huge glad gamer. you brought that up because that's but like I think that's my favorite game ever made. Oh my god, it's incredible! I'm not really a gamer, like as as far as video games. I've played a bunch of different video games, uh, but I grew up like watching my brother play video games. But this is the first time I think ever I have been so sucked into a world and just. Every minute of every day, I want to be playing this game. <laughs> right now, I wish I was playing the game. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> like, I really do. I un- I completely understand that feeling, especially with that game specifically. Yeah. I grew up playing uh, Ocarina of Time and Wind Waker and Twilight Princess and, you know, eventually just played every Zelda game. I am one of those yeah. who, like, yep. it's like my favorite game series. And then when Breath of the Wild came out, a lot of the reviews of the game from people that I trusted were that it's like an amazingly immersive game with fantastic gameplay and the story takes a backseat kind of. Yeah. But it's still and great. Like the story it is still a great story. Still I'm great, really but pissed it's not the that that is yeah. the review I got of it. Yeah. Um, Cause it actually turned me off playing it for like two years after oh, it came wow. out as a huge Zelda fan too. <laughs> think about that. Yeah. Wow. And then I got it and like you, every minute of like every day since yeah. I started playing it, I was like, oh, what if I, I yep. want to try just running north yeah. <laughs> and yep. just doing that with nothing. No, like, yeah. I don't know if you've encountered anything yet, how much you've encountered, but sometimes I just want to like go, you know, no yeah, plan, totally, absolutely no plan. I mean, that's most of the game. That's like the most fun you can have playing it yeah um, uh we should uh, i'll i'll fill you in more on where i'm at after we're done recording yeah but, that uh, sounds great this is a this isn't a podcast about uh video games it's a podcast about well today avatar let's get into it uh, segways i just because i said that i just imagined link on a segway in breath of the <laughs> wild like going through <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> or like every character in Avatar The Last Airbender on a Segway. <laughs> well, uh, you're listening to A New Lens. Uh, my name's Calvin. This is a podcast Gary and I started to talk about film and television that we liked as kids through the new lens of adults and amateur filmmakers. We've been doing Avatar The Last Airbender episode by episode, and we are on season three, episode two, The Headband. Ooh, there, there's so much in this episode. Like, there's so many aspects to it. The way I remembered it in my head was just like, like, relating to kids in like normal school life for the first time yes. in the show. Like, that was the aspect of it that yeah. was most prevalent in my mind. But and it made me wow. going into it that aspect of it. Also, it's the for me. I don't know if this is the same for everyone. If it's one of those algorithmic things, but when mm. I scroll by on Netflix, yeah, the clip for Avatar from is this episode, from the headband. Which makes me really mad, actually. Me too, because it's like season three of the show. You shouldn't even see Aang with hair until yeah, come you on, get it naturally. Man. But yeah. either way, 
for some reason, like the amount of times I've heard, hey, Kuzan, and then been like, ah, I'm going to keep scrolling because I don't, I'm not there yet. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to be exposed to that (laughs) yet. Made me going into this episode mixed with that feeling you were talking about of like Mm -hmm. what I remember about it. I thought I was going to be disappointed. I thought I was going to be like, Mm -hmm. we're on season three now, episode one got us into it. And now this is kind of like a filler. And boy, was I wrong. They do such a good job on this show, as we've said many times before, of making the most, like, just fun and, like, lighthearted stuff mix super well with, like, wait a second, think about that. Some really good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. In this episode, I wrote down twice as many notes as I expected going in. Yeah. Uh, I won't let it take up too much of my talking, but it just struck me how many things made me go, okay, I need to write down a thought about this because that's more than just what they're saying. You know, that is like, that's saying something to me, you know, yeah. it was the whole episode. Yep. Uh, well, let's recap it for you quickly. Basically, in this episode, the gang has come to a Fire Nation town where they've decided to try and blend in. They go and steal some clothes, and they go into town to try and get some food and everything, where Aang, who is accidentally wearing a school uniform, is brought into a classroom and starts to find out a lot about the Fire Nation from that, which makes them more eager to uh, stay and learn more, find that opportunity, as well as Aang getting the opportunity to try and make some change in the society when he learns that dancing is not a part of Fire Nation culture anymore. So he decides to organize a secret dance party in this cave that they're hiding out in, uh, which goes well in some ways until uh, the authorities, the, the school people, find out about it. Interlaced through all of that are these scenes with Zuko uh, back home at the Fire Nation capital trying to go and see... Iroh, who is imprisoned. Uh, I think that's that's basically everything. I think that's a good I think overview. That was like such a good recap. <laughs> that might have been the best <laughs> recap of our entire oh, podcast. Oh, Am I allowed? Dude. Can we? Oh my god! Let's do a podcast episode on that recap, dude. I'm blushing. Oh my god! <laughs> that was <laughs> it was perfect. You nailed uh, it. So yeah, man. Um, the first thing we get here is. The Fire Nation, actually. We start with Zuko. And I love that. We get to see this capital of the Fire Nation for the first time. This sort of, you know, almost like inverted bowl with no base of spikes coming out of the ground that it's this, uh, the environment design is just so incredible. It's menacingly beautiful. Like, I, yes, that's what yes. I thought of. When I looked at it, I was like... This is like an architecture. The architect who like designed this city was like, I'm going to make it badass, but was a really, really good architect, too. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's, it's um, like really cool looking, but also menacing. And I want to point out, actually, 
we don't talk about the writers and directors a whole lot of the individual episodes because it's mostly the same crew. Um, and we noticed with Lauren McMullen how fantastic all of her episodes were that she was the director for. But I just find it very interesting that I looked into it this time and John O'Brien is the the writer of this episode. He's been a staff writer for the entire show. He's on the staff uh, for every episode, but this is one of the ones that he personally was uh, at the helm of, and looking over the other episodes that he has been in charge of, it is astounding the pattern you see here, and I want to see if you can <laughs> notice it. The King of Omashu, The Fortune Teller, The Siege of the North Part 1, Avatar Day, The Library, Tales of Ba Sing Se, The Earth King. Every time we have, like establishing of a new place and like cultural environments that you need to introduce in an organic way this is the guy who's been in charge of it that's really interesting i wonder if that's something that was con they were conscious of as they were writing the show or if like you know i always imagine writing rooms of uh, being just like a table of people sitting around and they have like a whiteboard and they're coming up with the ideas for the episode. Right. Maybe this is the guy who just every time he had an idea, well, we could introduce it like this. Everyone right. turned to him and was like, shit. All right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, John. we got an episode coming up that's basically all like teaching stuff. Yeah. Can you help us like right. learn? Can you just write that? Yeah, sure. So uh, it makes a lot of sense that there's a lot of world building in this episode that is done extremely well. Um, Not just really well, too, but in a way that you don't realize it's happening, which is yeah. what really well world building is. That's I guess I'm just describing what that means. But when you don't even realize walking away from an episode how much you've learned, yeah. that's just such a good feeling because you're like part of it. And this is one of the first like very wide landscape shots establishing shots of environments in the fire nation like usually we are following people in we're with zuko and iroh at like the docks oh, of a so fire true. nation city or something like that but uh other than or like we've seen an island you right know? yeah but this is the first time we're seeing the entire capital and it strikes you you're like whoa where is this it looks menacing and we zoom in uh or, or, you know, it fades to Zuko in his room, and we're like, oh, this is it. This is, like, where he is. Um, and you get this beautiful shot as he's rolling around in bed and unable to sleep as he turns towards the camera, and the camera tilts to lock in place suddenly to him uh, sideways as he opens his eyes. But, you know, now he's vertical. Like, it looks like he's facing us, even though he's laying down in bed. Um, as he knows what he needs to do. And I, I believe he goes a couple times throughout the episode, but I think this is indicating, especially with this dramatic shot pronouncing it, that this is the first time he is deciding to go to the prison. I to agree, try and, especially because try and see. during this little trek, he turns back as soon as he's seen by a guard. Right. And it makes me think that this was like him scoping out the situation. Like, okay, what am I going to have to like sneak past? Am I going to need to sneak past anyone? Right. Which also makes you think like, you know, this is clearly something he's not just troubled with. Like, should I go and see Iroh? But also like... He's been thinking about it. Will people judge me for doing this? Like, right. should I hide this? Like, it's a whole emotional thing for him to, oh. to make this decision. Yeah. 
And then we have uh, the gang also kind of hiding and traveling, trying to get somewhere. That's a very loose tie that I'm making there, but we I see, like it. Though we, we see, I this, like it. We see this cloud going very, very quickly over the the landscape, <laughs> and we hear for them the first two seconds, I was like, "Is this just really what? weirdly animated? <laughs> like, yeah. What's happening right now?" Yeah, which is actually cool because that proves that like. It does look like a cloud. I don't know. Like, as much as the landing might be, like, a fast-moving cloud, this looks unrealistic. That's brilliant when you think about it. Oh, yeah. Using a cloud to travel. Right. No one's going to be like, what the fuck? They might be like, oh, that's kind of weird. You know? Yeah, exactly. At most, you know, probably no one's going to know. Oh, yeah. Especially they're I mean, in the middle I've of looked nowhere. up and seen clouds and been like, holy shit, they're moving fast. <laughs> yeah, and then just, that been. was it. What if yeah. it was Aang in the gang? Right. You know? uh, <laughs> what if they're real? <laughs> <laughs> um, but they land and Sokka starts berating them for, you know, next time let's try and be a cloud that keeps its mouth shut. And uh, Toph fights back on that a little bit like, who are you trying to not be heard from? These birds, these dodo birds that uh, they land near. <laughs> He's like, hey, we are in enemy territory. Those are enemy birds. <laughs> One of them hops on his head. Um, and it's really funny, but it also, this is like the theme of the episode being shown to us right away. We get sure. different perspectives on what is going on here. So from Sokka and mostly Katara's perspective, they're in enemy territory. Yeah. They've spent their entire lives basically in a tiny pocket of the world surrounded by ice and snow with stories of the horrid Fire Nation. Their mother was taken from them. And then their first experience with them was Zuko coming and taking the Avatar. Like They've had nothing but like horrible ideas of what it's like in the fire nation Toph is just from the real world she's just not exposed to stuff because being like a beifong uh, child they kept her from like outside but she's just like in the earth kingdom that she's from you know she's just there so like to her there are countries and there are people and come on like we're just yeah, it's technically Fire Nation, but I don't see any people around. Not that she right. sees, but, you know, she doesn't notice that. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, the level of intensity is less for her. And then for Aang, his experiences with the Fire Nation were all pleasant. Because right. his last time there. there, there wasn't a war. Yeah. So, we have, like, this full spectrum of what it feels like to be an outsider coming in to this up till now insidious territory like <laughs> yeah sure we sure. don't even and then the fire nation attacked it's yeah. not and then fire nation troops attacked like the we basically nation, spent we the entire show considering this entire nation just evil like right you know what i mean yeah and Sokka's very much on the most extreme of this but i also think like we've talked about Sokka's a He's a thing guy. You know, he likes his totally. he likes his gadgets. He likes This his, is a thing. I mean, there's definitely other stuff in this episode that uh, <laughs> uh, shows that side of Sokka very well. But um, even, like, he is trying to be, like, scout, 
right now, you know? Totally. And yeah, like his little every jumps. T- every, yeah, exactly. Every time I notice something like extremely pronounced in the animation, immediately I go, what's it trying to say? And it's trying to say that he's like really feeding into this when they go into this cave and he jumps over all of them and then lands on the ground and looks looks around suspiciously. It's so ridiculous, but... um. You know, he's taking it's a ridiculous and he's like feeding into it because it's like, I'm going to be the scout. But also he's like taking it seriously. You know, like I am going if anything is out of place at all, I am going to notice and be prepared. But uh, they get into this cave and Sokka kind of talks about, I guess this is our life now living in cave after cave. Um and Toph's like, screw that. We should go into town and get some food. And like, they talk about getting different clothes, getting some disguises so that they'd be able to do that. And she says, Toph says, y'all don't want to just eat cave hoppers, do you? And she smashes the wall and all these bugs pop out. And one member of the group does just want to eat cave hoppers, actually. <laughs> Momo's super stoked Classic. eating him. Um, Sokka's like, I guess we're outnumbered, buddy. Uh and so they find this field of somebody who lives nearby with all these clothes on clotheslines, which, firstly, like, how many people live there? How many clothes do they have? I, There's no, so dude, you know what this is? Clothes, what? It's a Fire Nation dry cleaner. Oh, shit, you're totally right. I yeah, never absolutely. thought, I've always had the thought of, That's so many is clothes. this one guy, like, of like this dude has just like a family or what but when you when you think about it and realize it so there's a couple shots that show like these steam vents around that area yeah this is the worker falling asleep on the job and his job is to move around the clothes so they all get steamed yeah oh so that's why there's such a variety too and why it makes sense that there would be something that fits all of them because there's probably like this is probably an animation thing, you know? In reality, right. there's like 200 outfits there, but right. we see like 30 because, yeah. you know? Also, only a certain amount are at the drying stage, you know? Exactly. Then, Inside yeah, is wow. probably like a big wash basin or something. But I don't know. I think that's really cool to think about, too, because in uh, every nation, they're going to have different ways of doing things. And the Fire Nation is like a volcano. Everywhere yeah. that there is a fire yeah. nation is like on volcanic rock. Right. So there's these steam vents that are like, yeah, that's I don't cool. know. How do you feel about Aang sort of putting aside his thoughts of this is wrong. These clothes belong to somebody else and justifying it by saying like, if it's essential for us to like save the world, what do you think of that? I've always felt like that was a little moment of me going, huh? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. This whole sequence kind of is. Like, even Katara being like, I want the whatever. Right. Like, would yeah. Katara really do that, you know? Um yeah. I, I mean, but also, that... just like you were saying, they, they have vilified this entire nation. Yep. And like, yeah. And I think that it being a dry cleaner helps me a lot with the idea of Aang just taking this suit. Because... Sure. It's just like an establishment that's probably going to reimburse whoever <laughs> like, right. oh, we lost your clothes. Like, well, buy- here's, you know, I don't know. Like, I know that's kind of like overthinking it, well, sure. but I think yeah. if this was someone's backyard and wouldn't do it, I don't know why, but that's the, yeah. that is the line in my head where Aang is like, okay with stealing these clothes. 
Yeah. Also, I mean, and this was a big talk this year for a lot of reasons. Um, there's a difference between like doing direct harm to people and damaging or, you know, messing with property. Not to say that like property doesn't matter at all and you should just like destroy or take whatever you want. But there's a difference in like value between like human life and property. And in this circumstance, like a couple articles of clothing so that they can blend in to save the world. It's definitely and not literally like, like I don't cut. think they could survive on cave hoppers. I don't think that was just a joke. Oh, like, yeah, no, eat like cave hoppers. Like, you food. can't just survive on that. They're going to yeah. need it, you know? Yeah, so, right. Yeah. It's like a whole deep dive of, of uh, <laughs> like ethics. But at the end of the day, I like that I discovered it was probably a dry cleaner. It helps it in my head a little. Yeah, know? no, absolutely. I like that a lot too. That, that, that is helpful. They get all these new outfits. They're, Honestly, design-wise, just like perfect, perfect new outfits that match them for being in the Fire Nation and being in disguise and also like being in this third season and, you know, watching the characters grow. It feels like, I know you never played these games, but in the Kingdom Hearts series, oh, yeah. from Kingdom Hearts 1 to Kingdom Hearts 2, mm. Sora grows up a little bit, the main character. Sure. And he goes from having like this blue and red, like Disney and yellow shoes, like Disney outfit to like an all black dope like with like chains and buckles and like bigger outfit. i don't know yeah it kind of reminds me of that like the upgrade in the next game you know yeah no totally especially sakas i love sakas oh Fire yeah they it's even, so cool they even as soon as they go into town buy these accessories that are like you know new versions of each of their yeah. accessories like katara gets a new necklace because her her mother's necklace is going to be way too obvious Sokka gets a new you know his wolf tail uh thing like a i don't know what to call that like a, a head bit or head Basically hair binder thing i don't know <laughs> yeah right toff's hair piece as well and then ang i love this he wears the symbol that is of this academy which is a kind of triangular shape he wears it upside down on his head to it's in the same shape as the arrow. Like it's so he's like, cool. I can't wear the arrow, but I'm gonna hint at it. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> you know, it, it, be it is still. upside down. I didn't even notice that it was upside down until you just said that now, and I'm thinking about it. And I'm like, oh, yeah. that's why. That's so cool. Ang talks about how his friend Kuzan. He used to vis visit his friend Kuzan here in the Fire Nation all the time, so he he knows how to blend in with all this lingo. Yeah, do you think this is real, or do you think even when he visited Kuzan, then Kuzan was <laughs> embarrassed too? You know what I mean? Like, I don't think a hundred um, years ago you referred to Fire Nation friends as Hotman. 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 Hello, he Hotman. Says it to Hotman. Everyone Hotman. too, as he's standing, Hotman. as he's standing. Hotman. 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 Um, or as we say in the Fire Nation, keep it flaming. Like I really <laughs> right. don't stay. Flaming. I just don't think. Yeah, stay flaming. Yeah. I just don't think that. I I have a feeling that a hundred years ago he visited, decided that this was the slang of Fire Nation, or his friend Kuzan pulled a prank on him. That you too, know? you know. Oh yeah, I like that. Um, <laughs> the rest of the gang sees these uh, cooked meats on display, which makes sense that that's the main sort of delicacy here you know we've we've heard fire flakes and other there was one other at the at the oh, circus yeah. um but Something anyway similar to fire sort of flakes. snacks and stuff <laughs> but the main dish like the main protein is going to be cooked meat because fire i'm gonna cook meat you like 
It just makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Aang does not like that at all. So, <laughs> this is such a weird moment, to be honest. It's kind of funny, but uh, uh, Sokka's like, don't feel weird about it. It's just meat. Even the meat eats meat. We get this, this shot over to this like ridiculous cartoon cow kind of it's like the it's like a pig cow right its head is enormous and its legs are tiny and there's like a stake in front of it and it just it's it's weird it's a little it's weird. disturbing it's, it's pretty like, disturbing yeah um that's one of the moments in in this episode there aren't i think that might be the only one but there are moments in kids shows often where i have to go all right, don't look at that from an adult existential perspective. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? This yeah. is one of those. That is just yeah. a goofy kid thing, and you know what? That's fine. Um, yep. But it's also a very good strategically, and or you know, writing-wise, a good strategy to get the rest of the gang separated from Aang. They are going in to look at the meats. He's like, yeah. I don't even want to see he it. he said, I'm going to go look for some lettuce in the garbage. Is that what he said? I didn't catch That's that. That's what he said. He's like, I'll just find some lettuce in the garbage. That's so Like, sad. he's literally not even going to oh try God. to order lettuce. Yeah. He's just going to assume that someone from the Fire Nation would be like, oh, lettuce. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's going to go find that and eat it. Oh, man. <laughs> and he doesn't. So he doesn't even get the chance to no. eat. Yeah, what Poor the hell? bastard. He's just standing outside and saying Hotman to everybody, being extremely <laughs> obvious. And these Hotman. people come up to him, Hotman. and this is the first of like three <laughs> moments in a row where someone is like, ah, I've caught you. You're not supposed to be here. And he, the, the face, it cuts to, he's got these big eyes, and the way his lip is like folded over itself. Um, is <laughs> not even like worried or he's just playing puppy dog. Do you think that's a strategy yeah, or do you think that he, I think it's a strategy. Like, you know, if they think, you know, if they were yeah, to say like, you're like the avatar. Yeah, it feels like his next words are going to be, what? what? I don't know yeah, what you're talking right. about. Totally. Uh, but, but uh, they say if you're going to try and play hooky, then maybe you should take your school uniform off. So the suit that he stole is a school uniform. Like that just makes sense. And I um, like that, too, because it does work really well with his character, like we were saying the other outfits did. But now, it, I don't know, it's just like a really, really, like you were saying, the writer of this episode, what's his name, John? Um, John O'Brien. John O'Brien. Like, instead of them being like, you're obviously the age you need to be in, I don't know, like, they're right. the fact that it was the uniform just feels so much more like... Oh, of course, then a guard would see someone out of the corner of their eye and be like, wait a second, it's a school uniform. I better go up to him. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, right. It doesn't feel now like a, oh, yeah, that doesn't look right on him. That looks like a uniform. You know what <laughs> right. I mean? Yeah. It's this balance that they play. I think the headband is like a huge reason for that, too. Oh, absolutely. And that is addressed here in this next scene as, as he's taken to this classroom and uh, Miss Kwan uh as the <laughs> the credits shows i don't know if they ever say this teacher's name but apparently her name is miss kwan uh welcomes him in and this is where a lot of like social commentary happens in this classroom i don't know that this first scene delivers a ton of it but there is you know ah i see a new mind ready for molding like that's how they see 
education. That's how she expresses seeing education is like. And this isn't something that's coming from a vacuum. That's all I'm going to say. No. Yes. You know, actually, I wanted to bring this up. I don't know if this is the proper episode to like really get into it. I think there are other opportunities that might arise in the show. Or even once we're wrapped with the show, be able to look back on some stuff. But my mom pointed out as I was talking to her about this show that this came out like this started not very long after 9-11. Oh. Culturally? Like, I was describing the scene to her from this last episode that Katara meets with, or, you know, Katara reconciles with her father and him having to go away and emotions dealing with that and, like, healthy Holy ways shit. to address those things. Like, I don't know. There's a lot of, like, art does not come out of a vacuum. That's all. I think, I, I don't want to go further into that at this moment, but. Yeah, that's um, a whole episode discussion. Yeah. The way that this ep- this show doesn't come out of a vacuum, but this yeah. is, uh, this episode in and of itself is another example of that, where in that episode, if we have that episode, we'd probably discuss, like, how much of it was on purpose? How much of it was subliminal? Yep. Like, do these writers write from their hearts or are they just completely accidentally spilling out what's happening in the real world onto right. these pages? You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially with this show, what's interesting about that is that it's influenced purposefully in a lot of ways by cultures mm. and history. Yes. So, you know, where's the yeah. line? Where right. is the... Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think yeah. that could be a really good... For those listening, if you think you'd like to listen to an episode about that let us know because i think that could be a really cool way to wrap up the show is just talking about yeah absolutely like, the artistic perspective of the show itself as a whole right let us know uh post on one of our social media sites or go to legendary4.com and comment on an episode and, and uh let us know what you think about that but in in this scene uh we get that second moment of her uh, of someone being like wait you're not from the fire nation it's like yeah oh, no. you're right <laughs> like you must be from the college i was wondering how many of sense. these because you're like three i was like wait there weren't three but you're right they're totally they just keep yeah. on being like wait, <laughs> wait a, a second minute. oh it's fine um he comes up with the excuse for his headband that he has a very embarrassing scar which also fire nation people are gonna get scarred like we've seen that it, it makes sense um she teaches him, or she does this bow to him with these hands, her fist and the hand above it. He does it with it up against his fist. And, you know, clearly things have changed over a hundred years. Just the, that little bit. She, you know, slaps his hand with the stick and one of the students actually shows him how it's how it's supposed to be done. Um, and I really think that that moment is another thematic emulation of the episode. This teacher is trying to find him out. Yeah. And that student is trying to get him uh, up to speed. Immersed. Yes. Yeah. Up to speed. It shows the difference between like a kid who's just a kid here for the, you know, living life. Mm-hmm. Like I care about other kids because <laughs> right. we're kids, you know? Yeah. And what that, how that influences her behaviors towards Aang. And then an, an adult who knows what's going on, because you can't at that age be blind to what's happening in the fire nation anymore and how her attitude towards ang is and the differences there and then the rest of the episode kind of shows us how sometimes other kids can be influenced by the adults around them and not even know why right. they're being yep. bad quote unquote yep. and how most youth at least in this show is like good-hearted you know what i mean yeah. and i don't know i and i think it's it, so sweet i think it is uh anji who it is yeah yeah 
and she comes up to him afterwards and says, hey, nice headband. She's being very friendly to him. And she even then, tells him to hide his monkey. Like, yeah, instead right, of like telling right. on him for having Momo, like totally. she's straight up helping this kid out that she's never met before and then this like bigger jerk kid comes along and and even says oh you must be one of those popular kids i've heard about which is also interesting like he has not experienced a uh, regular domestic like school life he grew up in a monastery like mm-hmm. very different life so and it also shows that even 100 years ago there were still social fucking right hierarchies in school like right. they were still yeah. the popular kids and that hasn't changed in a hundred years um, and i love his attitude about it being like cool nice to meet you instead of being like oh shit like you're a popular kid right like, yeah because he has yeah. no idea that you can't just be like hey totally. we're nice guys you know what i mean yeah um well he th- this other guy I don't remember how they pronounced his name. It's spelled H-I-D-E. I want to say like Hide. Hide. Is that what they say? Okay. Um, Hide comes in and sort of claims that she's his girlfriend, (laughs) which actually, if you're paying attention, like she doesn't smile when she's around and like does not not really seem to like him. I think this is something that he's kind of imposing here, um, which is uncomfortable. But he sort of puts down Aang and then uh, walks away and this other kid... Uh, walks up to him, and this other kid uh, is named Shoji, and he says, wow, he didn't even beat you up, <laughs> which is uh, wild that that's the relation. But, like, you know, there bullies exist in school. This is a thing that, you know, people might recognize and r- relate to the people who are trying to deal with that. Um, and this kid offers to Aang to go play hide and explode, <laughs> which is, I don't know what the details of that game are, but I love that that's how Fire Nation kids play. Um, <laughs> Me too. And that Aang is just super excited to do it. He yeah. has absolutely no reservations about these kids, even after his slight, like, bump with this one guy like yep i love ang like herman doesn't watch the show actively i keep trying to get him back into it ah, but yeah. whenever he walks by and i'm watching it ang is why he sits down he's like god <laughs> yeah. this kid is just so like yeah fun and like lighthearted, and like his laugh just makes me happy and i'm like i know watch the show yeah i mean <laughs> zach tyler eisen is such an incredible asset to the show and i actually think this is a good moment to shout out the the child actors involved i think there's only three who do all of the voices of the different kids um you've got tanashi kachingwe who uh plays onji who seems to have gone on to like she's just tanashi now <laughs> like she there's a bunch i That's went to her dope. imdb and there's just a bunch of shorts that say like tanashi colon and her imdb is just tanashi but here she's listed as uh tanashi kachingwe and then there's matthew underwood who's hide who didn't do a whole lot after his child acting phase and i just i love this little detail i don't know why but this kid named noah luke uh who played shoji did a couple voice acting gigs when he was a kid, and now he works consistently as a gaffer or oh, on the cool. electrical department or in the camera department on film. Like he's like on he the... got into the industry, yeah. found what he loved about it, and yep. now he's doing that. I just think that's so cool, and I like to point that, that is out. so cool. But Ang gets back to the cave, and Sokka and Katara are like <laughs> concerned parents, like, where have you been? We've been worried sick. Um, and he said, I enrolled in school. Sokka's really struck. Like, he, I think his face even goes blue. He's There's, like, enrolled yes, in what? This is what I was going to say as the first of like 10 
amazing reaction faces yeah. in this episode. Yep. That's all I'll even say about it because they'll come up and I'll point them out again. But God, yep. this episode has so many just <laughs> reaction faces. Yeah. And the audio is so them too. funny. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, but this is when we cut back over to Zuko, who is now inside this uh, cylindrical prison. He's walking around this corner and this guard sees this hooded figure and says, oh, you again? And Zuko just... Does he grab him by the throat? I think he does. I think he just grabs grips him up. his he grips like, his yeah like his, his collar. collar. Yeah, puts him up and it's very convincingly. I mean, like he is intimidating here. Not convincingly, like of performance of intimidation because he's just it's being real. intimidating. And he yeah. says, "I'm going in now, and you're not going to tell anyone. No one is going to know about this." And he drops him and walks into the cell. And now we realize. This is Iroh. This is where Iroh is. And I'm sure, you know, we had, that's where our mind was, but now it's confirmed. And seeing him in this way and the way they animate his hair in strands hair coming is, down yes, over his dude. face. It's clear he's like, hasn't showered. He hasn't been able to do anything but sit in this prison. And it's genuinely like a heartbreaking moment in the show. Like yep. the whole show, this is one of the most, oh, because oh, Zuko walks in and he just says, hello, uncle. And Iroh just, just turns, turns away. away from him. And that's all we get for that moment. Oh, it's chilling. Um, we cut back to them discussing this idea in the cave. And Sokka's very against it. He thinks it's a terrible idea. And Aang describes, like, I'm learning so much about the Fire Nation. Sokka's still against it. And then he says... Well, I mean, I was supposed to learn about this secret river that goes right to the palace tomorrow in class. He goes, I do like secret rivers. <laughs> Which is so Sokka. Yeah. Um, so, And he like, also, I love the whole, I even, here's a picture of the oh, right. fire, yeah, or the the fire lord, you know, like, like uh, now that we know yeah. what he looks like, it's just right. not a big deal anymore. Completely. Like, But also, they haven't known what he's looked like. Like, this is a yeah. big moment of him getting a port, like, this is the, the fire lord. But, like, it's it's cool how, to them, it was how it was to us. You know yeah. what I mean by that? Right. Yes. Like, when we saw it happen for the first time, we kind of went, oh, it's just a guy. Like, right. Like, that just happened. Yeah. And now it, it's just a thing in my memory. I know what he looks like. Mm -hmm. And to them, they're just like, yeah, here's a picture of him. And they're like, okay, I guess that's that's great, but what else do you got? You know what I mean? They're not yeah. like, right. all of our problems are solved now that we know what he looks like, you know? Yeah. Now that they solidify that plan, we go back to Zuko in the cell and he says, you could have joined me. You could have taken down the Avatar and you could have been a hero. So you have no right to judge me. In fact, you're a fool for not joining. And you just feel in all of these scenes, but especially in this one with Zuko here, that, I mean, he's yelling at himself because yes, Iroh's not was, saying yes. He's trying anything. to convince himself Iroh's, of why he did what he did. Iroh is just giving him his back he's not going you made a mistake he's not trying to do anything in fact i he's i think he's purposefully doing that, that but also so far disappointed that he can't even deal with it you know like, yeah because we've seen him literally do this like three times yes. like tell zuko this is it this really is your chance to, zuko's yes. been through a physical metamorphosis right and iroh got to experience that with him yes they had their tea shop they hugged like things were good yeah and he still threw it all away yep and then zuko 
out of anger. I think this isn't supposed to be funny. <laughs> it's a little But funny. the animation of it is because he like kicks up a stool yep. and punches it and it just, and it just explodes. disappears. <laughs> yeah. It's gone, dude. Right, yeah. Like it's gone. <laughs> it's yeah. just it's um, not even ashes. It's, it's just gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just think it's very funny. He's able to just make a thing not exist anymore out of anger. But, but clearly also in the way that he's handling this, he's not ready to even hear what Iroh would have to say, so it's pointless. And and Zuko knows it too, and that's why this anger is coming out. It's one of these examples of showing like what he is acting out in this moment is not exactly what is internally processing within him. You know, yeah, it's a, this it's feels a product to me of it, but it's not kind of like a great therapeutic technique of writing a letter and burning it. Mm, you know what I mean? Sure. Like he is speaking his mind, but it's not something in, but he's actually telling Iroh, but Iroh is so good that he's basically letting him burn it. Do you know yeah, what I mean by right. that? As he's sure. speaking, Iroh is just letting it out. He's letting those words go in and out so that he yeah. can give Zuko that therapy of realizing that what he's saying isn't what his heart actually feels. Yeah, right. Well, Zuko rushes out. The last words he says is, you're a crazy old man, and if you weren't in a jail cell, you'd be in a gutter. Ooh, and he's just taking his... He's just he's not processing this well. Um, we get back to... Aang going to class and you know the more distance I get from my schooling experience the more wow, stuff yeah. that I am just like wow fuck some of the way our schooling system works in the United States this is mostly a positive show we touch on some stuff but like I am so disappointed and frustrated with a lot of how things work and watching these kids recite their like pledged fealty to the emperor of the fire nation is chilling remembering the the pledge of allegiance like why and do we then, do that as much as it is too having ang this is like a multifaceted thing going on here yeah. ang not knowing it and being like fire nation homeland right blah blah yeah. bleep, blah okay a couple things are going on one of the things Shut up, Aang. You're fucking up. <laughs> like he keeps <laughs> yeah, on saying blah blah after everyone's quieted down. I think all right? that's, that's an like audio a editing small... thing. I do think that's something where Zach Tyler Eisen was in the studio thinking that all of that would be, you know, like covered by edited other voices, well. and then yeah, they edited but then it. like just... I don't think that. But yeah, I, I, I get yeah. what you're saying. Another part of me did that as a kid. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? We yeah. all did that once or twice, just like not knowing or not I stopped saying or... it at a certain point. I would there, I'm pretty sure our it. generation was the first generation of kids that were like, I know this is fucked up to say, but that were like allowed to not say it. Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah. Because I kind of remember there being a shift of like not having to stand up and putting my hand on my heart while yeah, I did this. right. I still had to say it sitting down, and then I remembered. I, this might be manifested memories based mm. on like, you know, recent sure. times of political whatever. But yeah. still, like, this moment kind of feels to me when the teacher responds so angrily. Yeah, like fuck, like they literally. It's clear that these kids don't know what they're doing, but this teacher knows exactly what's going on here, and and then she punishes him. You know what I mean? Right. It's, yep. It's exactly what you're saying. It's chilling because it is real. This isn't even a little bit pushed to a different degree. This is just this is real. 
for real. Yeah, um, this actually happens in America then, too, not and, like in a you know past society. You know, in right. ni- the nineteen fifties, uh, another country, or I don't know, like yeah, because a lot. I think a lot of Fire Nation stuff reminds me of like. I think they're trying to emulate like Soviet Russia, Soviet Russia, or something a in a, a lot of ways. Of every now and yeah. then, especially in like the top episode with like the Fire Nation wrestler guy. Sure. That, so I kind of go into this thinking that, but this is straight up just American school system. Yeah, you know, this um, whole episode, and it's further enforced. Like, there's a lot more stuff that that was really chilling with uh, how she punishes him is give a pop quiz about the history of the Fire Nation, and then he learns the propaganda that has been being taught in schools and like taught as fact to children. About, like, the history of their nation, which is, it's so fucking on the nose. Honestly, it's amazing to me that this doesn't feel, like, incredibly cringy, but is actually delivered in a very digestible way. And a way that I think would be so important for kids growing up in America to be like, hey, in class, what they're saying might not be exactly what's true. Like, yeah, we might be when saying the like Fire nation, nation attacked, or when, when the battle between the Fire Nation army and the Air Nation army, and and we won. And there's a difference between uh, an army taking out a bunch of nomad nomads who did not have an organized, you know, which is even different from from our history in the United States because there was a lot of organization just in a very, very different cultural way. Um, but there was a lot more sinister stuff going on. But the way we were taught about the origins of our nation is so fucked up. It's it's and so, so similar up. to this exact to this thing. Exact like, I remember thing. being taught that there was a war between the original yes. American colonists or colonial colonial colonists or colonials. I don't know. Colonialists. <laughs> And uh, the Native American, the indigenous people of uh, of what is now America. Yeah. And it was something I believed for way too long. Way like, too long. I was way too old before, like, the appropriate internet search or the appropriate uh, documentary. I don't even know what it was. Yeah. Something. Maybe just shout out to Emily Matson because she has always yeah. been someone who's been like Absolutely. hey do you know that this is a thing and I've been like no yeah uh but that might have been one of them where I'm like wait a second like our entire history being taught to us is being taught to us through a lens mm-hmm. of an American historian like you're yep. not it's not being taught to us through the lens of a worldview like that doesn't exist you yeah. know what I mean we all right. come from a specific perspective and it's it's scary as fuck to think about that deeper than just what they're teaching in this class and like and and it's parallels maybe with America and indigenous people but other things too oh, like absolutely. things we're learning about other countries like yes. we learn about how horrible and evil blah was during this time and that's why right. that or war happened in this history but, of time while the Iraq war is going on exactly right now Iraq. Yes, which is probably Iraq. something <laughs> Iraq <laughs> Which is <laughs> classic, the classic Iraq Minnesotan. War. That's such a Minnesotan way it to say is. it. Yeah, it is. Yeah, Iraq. Um, but yeah, that's something that you probably discussed with your mom a little when she brought up yeah. that the show came out right after nine yep. eleven. Like, what the fuck? I didn't even realize that. Yeah. Um, well, 
that's there's a lot there i think we've touched on a lot of the good uh the most important points but he goes to music class then and he's playing the sungi horn which actually is awesome the first other person that we've seen playing the sungi horn other than iroh and he starts doing this dance in in the what do you call those the the fucking the bleachers bleachers is what i was gonna say but it feels wrong but anyway he does the dance in the bleachers and this uh music teacher is like what's up with all that hullabaloo with your feet yeah (laughs) um this teacher is someone i think he's based on a character from some video game or something because he just (laughs) is too specific of a character to be just a write-off like this you know what i mean he's voiced by phil proctor who's done a lot of different uh voice work but the character specifically is like someone um but ang says he was dancing the music teacher informs him that dancing is not conducive to learning and you may march in place if you if you like, because I know that the love for our nation grows so great that you know. And suddenly, this episode becomes Footloose. Right, and I fucking love it. Yep, I've never and seen not Footloose. in a bad way. I've never seen you it. You should see Footloose. It's fucking awesome. I feel <laughs> like I, I, you know, everybody has movies that they should see that's part of the like, oh, yeah. pantheon. And I, feel I like just I saw more Saving than... Private Ryan for the first time. You know what really? I mean? Really? Like, okay. Anyway, yeah, we, like just we a few months ago, but it was... Sure. Sorry, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, well, he gets in trouble. Really? We gotta talk about that. <laughs> well, uh, afterwards, Anji comes up to Aang again and says... Uh, I liked that dance that you were doing. And he was saying, Aang was just genuinely excited. Like, yeah, maybe I could show you, maybe I could show you some later. And this uh, boyfriend, uh, Hide, comes up again and he's like, you're not showing her anything. Or he firebends at him, actually, which seems like he should get in trouble for that. And he never does. But Yeah, I'm sure that like if anyone else were to firebend in school, it would be like near expulsion. Right. But later we find out this guy is like a star pupil. Yeah, right. Like he's literally referred to as the star pupil or whatever. Which then... Now that I'm saying that makes you think, what does it take to be a star pupil of the Fire Nation? Probably just anyone who's willing to take this propaganda and spit it right back at you. Like, yes, absolutely. And that's why this dude is such a dick. Because the propaganda is revolving around being like some powerful nation of dickery. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, Aang... He's a young Zhao. Holy shit. Oh, shit. I'm just realizing this dude is young Zhao. Oh, God. Yeah yikes all right sorry um i I just kind of had a chilling realization that that's totally who this kid is that's a good point he attacks ang and ang i mean trounces this dude he just avoids every (laughs) minute that that doesn't even doesn't touch touch him him. he goes under his legs at one point he like dips (laughs) under his legs um but of course reminds me of the spider-man one oh yeah yeah with flash the first totally um but of course he's able to make uh Hide fall flat on his face and then he plays the victim card of like tearing like up sniffles. as the teachers yeah god i hate it so much it's, it's kind of satisfying the, too though cuz i kind of hope he actually hurt himself it's you know it's one of the things in movies that makes me most angry like whenever oh, anybody yeah. it, it make ooh, it makes my blood boil but like in boyhood when the little sister just oh. starts crying after throwing the pillow yeah. at Mason and then, uh, uh. anyway um these <laughs> teachers come and they say basically you're in trouble bring your parents tomorrow 
and uh, which leads got, to that thing to. you were referring yeah, to earlier. Sokka with his beard and mustache and saying, "I am Wang Fire," <laughs> and Wang this is fire. Sapphire. And Katara jumps on it. And he's like, "Yes, I'm Sapphire Fire." <laughs> I <laughs> love it so much because you know that Sokka meant her name was Sa. Fire. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's like, that's so dumb. I can't let that be a thing. The main thing in this, I mean, they make it through this very well, but the main thing I want to point out that was really spooky is like, uh, if he doesn't get his act together, we're going to need to send him to reform school, which of course I mean, by which of course I mean the coal mines. Holy shit. Like when yeah. kids are not behaving well, they send them to the coal mines. And Aang is 12. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, there's a couple classmates of his who are missing teeth. Right. You know? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. there's a specific one I'm yes. thinking about right now that's yeah. missing, like, three teeth. <laughs> so, like, imagine that kid, like, in the coal mines. Oh, my God. Like, fuck. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Sokka says, uh, oh, don't worry. And then he yells at him. He's like, when you get back, you're getting the biggest punishment of your entire life. And the teacher says, now that's what I like to hear. God, it's so fucked up. It's so fucked up. Yeah, man, um, and it's so easy to be like, yeah, wow, what a broad version of, but like, that's that's also real. Like, all yeah, of that is right. also real. Like, yeah. not every school and not every... And not necessarily but, Not every public school, or, I guess, yeah. would be a good way to go about it. But in America, it's going to be like that. But the idea of um, growing up being afraid of going to juvie because you act out in a certain right. way and like who actually in uh american society feels those fears more often than others like aren't are there you know groups that have a higher risk of going to a place like juvie um i don't know i think i think we'd both be shocked to find out what kind of fucked up shit goes on at a lot of uh juvenile yeah. centers you know yeah. we cut back over to zuko um who is uh with may on a on a mountainside looking at the sunset and May's like, I hate the color orange. <laughs> and Zuko's like, you're so beautiful when you hate the world. And then they're both like, I don't hate you. I don't hate you either. It's, it's like, it's kind of stupid and I kind of hate it, but it's also, it makes like, it's, I don't know. Also I knew people imagine like hating school. the color orange yeah. and living in the fire nation. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, that's probably why she hates the color orange, if we're being totally. honest. Totally. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, Azula comes and tries to have a word with Zuko. Zuko says, we're busy, continues making out. Um, Azula gives some excuse about Tylee she needing tells, help untying yeah. or untying she her braids. She needs braid. to unknot her braids. And May just goes, sounds kind of serious. And yeah. just gets up and leaves. Which makes me wonder. But as she's she leaving, look. as soon as she's out of Azula's eye frame, she gives her this look. Like, she knows what the fuck she's doing. And she's, I think, falling makes me upset that she, like, out of let... Azula's influence a little bit. Yeah, I agree, and I just wish she would have stayed to support Zuko in that moment because. But that's not within May's character that's been established not yet. yet. You know? Yeah, you're you're totally right. You're totally right. She is more under Azula's control right now than she is in love with Zuko. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Um, Azula yeah. manipulates Zuko to reveal that he's gone to see his uncle. She says, I've heard you went and saw Uncle Fatso. Uh, the guard told you. No, but you just did. Um, and 
basically, which kind of makes you realize that she probably did the exact same thing about the avatar being alive. Yeah. Yep. This oh, is like us seeing that that's fucking lootly. That's a technique she does. Yes. You know, a hundred percent. Um, she basically just warns him like people are gonna think you're plotting with him, uh, which honestly is like kind of just good advice. I'm not quite yeah, sure why. This she's... moment, I'm glad you're saying you're not quite sure because this moment, every time I see it, I go, okay, pause. Yeah. Does Azula? actually have like a want for a future with her brother both of them are evil Mm. both of them rule the world right or is this all manipulation that's all plotted and planned and she's enjoying watching him squirm right now Mm. turmoil in turmoil with himself i don't know honestly i don't know if she either actually i don't really want to make i think to her either of those options are a win because one She's right. an all-powerful ruler with another all-powerful ruler by her side. Or and in the slightly other, less than her powerful, def- yes. Yeah, <laughs> and in the other, powerful. she's basically destroyed the only other heir to the throne, mm-hmm. you know, by destroying his reputation. Right. And I don't know, it's, it's interesting that it could be both, you know? Yeah, absolutely. She might actually be giving him advice right now, or she might be further manipulating him knowing that saying this is going to make him go back again you know what i mean yeah we cut back to ang and the gang in this cave and i love the perspective that ang gives like these kids are the future of the fire nation if we actually want to make cultural change within the fire nation this is where we really should do it like most of the people in the older generation already have their notions of how everything works and uh, it's going to take a lot more to change their minds. These kids are clearly open and malleable to other ideas. Like they they were much more supportive of him as he was trying to learn how uh how all of this works and so he comes up with this plan uh to show them freedom. And he's going to do that with a dance party. And uh, I love they start prepping this place. I love the way Toph lifts these discs uh, for, like, yes. you know, a stage, but Creates also just, like, tables. And they lit a bunch of candles. And none of them are firebenders, so the candles must have taken fucking forever if you're thinking about it. Also, where'd they get all those candles? But, ah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, uh, maybe Toph squashed a bunch of those uh, I was just cave gonna dwellers. Say, into I bet Toph has the ability to find, like... Uh, uh, what you call it? Uh, flint, flint, or, you know, yeah, to like sure. spark, you know, sure. to make fire. Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. That's head cave. There's something. Why not? Um, Ang says Appa has to go back into the back of the cave. I love. He's like, I know you have the fanciest feet of them all, and you have yeah, now six just, of them too. We just want to see Appa dance. I want to see Appa dance so bad. Oh, can you imagine him ripping up the dance floor? Literally. <laughs> um, the band starts playing Literally. and Ang introduces them as the Flamios. Uh, and these kids, they come in and they're very timid. They are not they're not going to and i love this uh slightly bigger kid in the front who he's like who, like hiding his head down in his, his collar, collar. Yeah. yeah he's like and he's like i don't know he's if my adorable. parents would want me doing this oh uh and it's clearly like they're afraid of the consequences of the people who are controlling their lives which is so sad but ang says 
dancing is a form of self-expression that no one can ever take from you. And the way he says it, like, there's a lot of conviction in that line. Like, here is something for yourself that no one will be able to take from you. That that's so yeah, incredible. Dude, and I think you need to watch Footloose. That's why it works. Because yeah. I can't remember how if this episode this episode might do it better than Footloose. Really? But yeah. Footloose obviously does some things oh, yeah. that only a movie can do. Influential movie. Um but like it's more about like religion in this mm, town yeah, keeping right. people from dancing. Right. But it's still very similar in like it being like self-expression and like don't let that hold you back. But I almost wonder if I prefer this narrative yeah. because it's it's so and for real, kids specifically you know? too. Like yes, because to in Footloose oh. they're high schoolers, um, but this they're like little kids, yeah. and it's almost more fun because none of them even know what dancing like is and right. what to do, and uh, oh, which leads Aang to kind of showing off some dance moves. Which, by the way, I wanted to address. I I don't know if you looked it up. I didn't, but exactly. some of these dance moves are real dance moves. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, so there is someone involved with this show that we have not brought up that we should talk a lot more about after this uh, because I'm a bit... I'm kicking myself for not bringing him up way, way sooner. But uh, Sifu Kisu, K-I-S-O. After the fact, Calvin here, it's K-I-S-U. I don't know why, but I really needed to correct myself on that. Sifu Kisu, K-I-S-U. And Sifu is like, you know, master for master. Uh, Eastern martial arts and everything. He is all of the martial arts in this show. It, it, he is the person they go to. He is the expert. And all of the dances have influence from... Uh, different martial art forms mostly uh, the dance that we're about to get to in a minute is based on uh, Bagua Zhang uh, and Northern Shaolin practices uh, wow uh, Bagua Zhang is one of the three main Chinese martial arts of the uh, Wudang school um, but yeah I I have only done very very brief uh, levels of, of research. See, I was that, only going to so say cool. even that one where he's like down and he crosses his right, arms and, and that's sort of Russian out. influence. You know, that's that, what I was yeah, going to say. Yeah, that yeah. reminds me of. But then he does, like you said, a, a martial arts looking mm -hmm. uh, dance move. And this is another. This is the best one in the episode. Reaction shot moment. Yeah. We just see for less than a second. It's like three frames. Mm -hmm. All of the guys. <laughs> react to Aang's dancing because like I think yep. a couple girls are like oh, or Toph says like who knew he had such yep. twinkle toes at such fancy feet Guitarist and then smiles. we get this reaction of like these dudes oh, with yeah, their mouths the just agape <laughs> their like, eyes Bang. wide and just yep <laughs> yeah. like all of them just like huh? it's so funny and it's so good because yeah. it's it's just like exactly like wait a second this dude can dance right i don't know like it cracked me up so much i had to pause and laugh for oh, a second yeah it's just like i went i rewound it, it and watched it again <laughs> less than a second it was yeah. literally like uh, like two like, frames yep. yeah <laughs> um we leave the dance party for a moment to see zuko going to visit iroh again and oh man he walks in he says i brought you some komodo chicken um he says, I thought this was everything. I, I've gotten everything that I wanted, but 
nothing is how I thought it would be, and I just want your advice. Like, he has realized that how he's handling this is not good, and the decision that he made was wrong and he doesn't know what to do, but I think he's still blaming it on the fact that he doesn't know whether or not the avatar is still out there. So that's the advice he's seeking. And that is the wrong things to be asking him about. And Iroh recognizes Mm -hmm. that. And that's why he, he still says nothing. And, Zuko gets so mad. He says, "I'm, I'm just so confused. The avatar could still be out there. I just don't know what to do. And, Again, he gets silenced, he gets angry, he gets up and he says, fine then. He starts to walk out and we get this brief look where he looks back to see if Iroh is going to be looking over his shoulder or anything and nothing. And so he leaves and Iroh just starts to weep staring at the wall because he sees how lost he is. Yes, absolutely. Because it's not... He's not weeping just for Zuko being lost and not being able to help. He's weeping because he can't say anything anymore. He's realized that he's done everything he can do to help. And everything is now in Zuko's hands. And he does not know if Zuko will make the right decision. And as of now, he kind of doesn't. Yeah. Which we'll get to in a second here. Uh, We get back to the the party. Aang... Offers Anji out to the dance floor, and they start a start doing this very simple ballroom back and forth dance. The ballrooms of Bossing Say is where this dance com- comes from. Uh, Sokka says, "Hey, they look Which good is cool together because they've been to the ballrooms of Bossing Say." Right? Yeah, you know? totally, totally. Um, Sokka says they look good together. Katara gives. I mean, yeah, if that's if that's your you know your sort of thing. Um, to me, this is like the first episode where we now see that it's not just like Aang having a crush on Katara and Katara seeing him as a little brother. Yeah, like, right. I think the episode, the fortune teller of her being like, powerful bender. Yeah, right. That was like the first moment of her thinking, maybe Aang? Right. No. But this episode is where she's like fucking jealous. But you that's, know what I that's mean? what's she's so like, great about their progression in their relationship. Because it, it, in my opinion, is because it was never like, oh, crush, oh, crush, will it happen? Will it happen? It was like, Ang woke up, was super taken with this girl. She didn't think of him at that time. So he learned to dial it back and just appreciate her as a person. She just learned to appreciate him as a person and then eventually started having notions of like, wow, what if, you know, what if I had different sorts of feelings about him? And it grew from two individuals learning to love each other, not in the romantic sense first, but just as individuals first. And that's the healthiest mm-hmm. way for, like, a relationship to start. Exactly. Um. Ugh, yeah. And... Ang is encouraging the the dancers. He says, "That's the hound. That's the sound of happy feet." Uh, and then he says, "You know what, everybody, you, you got to go freestyle on it." And this dude, yes. I love the animation of this guy just whoever wailing was, his limbs because this had to have been oh, a, a guy. Absolutely, this is a video. Whoever of did that this they animated, yeah. Hmm. Oh man, deserves. Oh, yeah all the applause of the world because Absolutely. this is like how i dance when i freestyle just like yep flailing arms but it it's better though like i can't dance like this because there's something about it i think it's because they animate it so good like to the music that he like ends on a thing and i'm like that was fucking awesome yeah you know what i mean yeah like, it's hilarious and silly 
But it's also kind of like this kid feels so badass when he finishes that. He has a look yep. on his face like I just fucking oh, yeah. dance. Yeah, you know what I mean. Because nobody, his hair. Like, everybody's just fucking flailing around, and especially when you're young, like that's all. And that's all you have to do to dance. I mean, it, there's way more to like structure dance and stuff. But to have fun and just self-express, that's all. That's what he's trying to teach to them. To get the feeling out of it. Yes. To like feel joy right. while moving to music. There's nothing more. Yep. It's awesome. Ang goes up to Katara and offers his hand, and she's like, "Oh, these these shoes aren't right for dancing." <laughs> and and he just says, "Take my hand, like just trust me, like come on." And they do, and they go out, and he whispers something in her ear. And so I have watched this episode before and been like, "Okay, they just randomly knew like a whole fucking impressive dance." But especially learning that this is influenced from martial arts, from the the uh, yep. correspondent, like I, I realized that he this went time up too, and man. whispered to her was like riff Let's off do... of the this like technique that we've been working on a before a form. Yeah, like I like to think you know later in the show we'll learn that there we'll learn another form. That solidifies that. So this is a thing. I, I did karate for a couple of years, and mm. uh, Sam, who's been a guest on the show in the past, and is our DM on our other show, Legendary Four Adventures. Space vampires. Thank you, Calvin. Um, was in karate for years and years and years, yeah. and he knows this too. Uh, martial arts doesn't just have like moves, like a punch, a jab, right. a kick, a side kick, yeah. a jump kick. It also has forms, like. Right. Uh, like you know, punch, what are punch, <laughs> kick, side kick, right? Turn, right. back kick, whatever. You know, like there's like a whole list of moves that you right. do, and then when you perform it in front of your sifu, they decide if like your technique is at its fullest. You know, okay, yeah, you're ready. You can move up a belt mm -hmm. now. Like that's a thing. So he probably whispered to her something like, "Let's do," you know, uh southern seal style right uh for like two minutes yeah because like you see him like kick and her duck and then her kick and him duck right. and like yes. there's but you can also get the sense during this which is one of my favorite things about this episode that they halfway through it vibe with each other yeah like he looks at her she fun. looks at him she's blushing and he says it's just you and me. Yep. And then her blush goes away. Yes. And she gets a look of like, I'm here now. They like and really he has a connect. look of, I'm here now. And at that point, I don't really think they're just doing martial arts. I think yeah. they are freestyle dancing. Yes. And like, especially because they end in a dip, which is obviously not any form of martial arts. Unless <laughs> it's like some like slamming her head into the ground <laughs> or something. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's yeah, just a dance no. move. And it it's beautifully done. This is the moment where they go from does one have a crush on the other? Does the other know? To they have crushes on each other. They both know it, but it's going to be a, maybe it's just not addressed like now. A relationship, not like, yes. You know, people use the not word crushes. relationship to like uh you know clarify like we're exclusively dating each other but no this is just like a relationship between two people and they both understand what it is and it doesn't have to be weird you don't have to make it weird like it doesn't have to be yeah. weird that, that, that this is all and it feels very organic and it doesn't feel weird and there's also and to be honest a little bit there's so much in this last moment of them posing and him dipping her and the uh, animation of that and, and their, their breathing. There's so much. Firstly, like their 
finished, all these people are watching them and they clap and they get appreciation for the dance that they were able to do and the working together. They have recognition of what they were able to just accomplish and also the connection of like being so, you know, uh, together in that. And to be honest, there's a little bit of, and I don't want to make this weird, but there's a little bit of like physical connection there that's it some reminds degree. me of like the dance scene in uh i think it's the mask of zorro it might be the le- the good zorro movie with antonio banderas yeah there is a whole ass scene where he just dances with uh catherine oh, zeta jones i think yeah. is the love interest of that movie yeah. and it's they're adults so i can say this it's sexy right you know what i mean yeah. he is sexy and she mm-hmm. is holy shit, this dude is sexy. And sh- and he's like, holy shit, she is sexy. But right. it's only dance. Right. Nothing more happens. And all of the dance moves are real dance moves. It's not like sexualized dance. Right. This is like the kid kind of version of a scene like that where yes. there's like enough physicality, especially to me, that shot of them smiling, looking at each other, breathing heavy, him holding her, yep. sweat on their face. Like, it's like just so i don't know like it's not weird it's, it's not it's just, done in a weird way where you're like oh is are they but they're which little. is like an accomplishment yes when you think about very, it very well handled, very well handled very hard well to off. make not weird yes you know but still make me go oh i am positive there are people out there who think who, who would who feel weird about it but i really truly feel like it's done in the very best way possible for the sake I of agree. the story yeah absolutely um but immediately they're shut down. The teachers are there. This fucking tattletale Hide has told them what's going on. Um, and just as this kid, this bigger kid who was hiding under his collar, was was saying, it's like I my inhibitions line. have all just disappeared. <laughs> and then they walk in and he says, oh, they're back. <laughs> um, so do you think... Uh, Hide's girlfriend, he, she's there, so she knew about this, right? Do you think she was like, come on, just come with, this is gonna be fun. He's like, mm. this is dumb. And then after she left, he told? Or do you think she never even told him? Oh. And he got butthurt about it, because he realized, like, wait, where's Anji? And then he went to look for her, and then someone told him, like, she's going, we're going to the dance party. And he's like, what dance party? And she, they're like, oh, uh, never mind. Or something like that. You know what I mean? I don't know. I like both of those. Right? Uh, either way, he's a dick. Either way, fuck this Anji's guy. Anji's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully this is leading to their breakup. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Or her saying finally, we're not dating. <laughs> like, yeah, he doesn't they're... seem to want to be with, with this dude. And for good reason. He sucks. Um, the teachers say they're looking for the boy with the headband. I love this sequence. The the for some reason the Flamios, the band, like keep playing the music. <laughs> Maybe it's just like, you know, the filmmaking, the music comes back in. But I like to think they're just in the background playing. They're just the music. like, fuck, let's just keep um, going. We're here to do this. We're not they, here dancing. They find one person with a headband, turn it around, it's not Aang, and another, and then they all start taking their belts off. If you actually look at the the costumes oh, it's their belts so that's how they all you have them. just answered the question made, you had <laughs> i literally went okay so was this head thing headband thing fucking planned or what because i'm like how do they all have headbands it's but their you're belt. right because i did notice earlier in the episode that the belt was the same pattern but i just didn't see them doing that mm-hmm. it just it must have been a moment i was i probably was writing was this planned as 
I would have <laughs> right. registered sure. that. You know what I mean? Sure. That's so cool. Hell yeah. Wow. And I love that they okay, do this that's for him. Smart. Like he Aang provided them with this, so they are helping him not be caught. And so he, he's able to escape, and in this last moment, he looks over and that final reaction uh, shot. <laughs> that that the the kid gives him a wink. They do this bow that that kid Shoji helped him learn. And or no, it was Anji that helped him learn that. But anyway, he he does the bow and Aang races off, and then the earth just closes behind them and that kid is just like (laughs) (laughs) i wish there was a way to sound effect the reaction shots from the show onto this podcast because me just going does not do it justice i I almost like it more though like trying to recreate (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah but just know we are well aware that that is not uh anywhere close to the sound that they pull off uh they're on appa flying away and katara's like you know you can take off the mustache now and saka goes actually i can't it's permanently glued to my face <laughs> he's, he keeps the voice because he's like yeah. if it's glued if i I'm might the, as well I'm, be wayne fire character now man <laughs> um i love katara gives ang a little peck on the cheek i think just like you know just a brief acknowledgement of like that was nice, you know. It's exactly, nothing more than because it got broken up too soon for her right. to be like, you know, because usually after a dance like that, you would like hug or something. Yeah. I don't know, you know. And that's where we leave uh, that storyline, but it's not the end of the episode. We see this. And I thought it was. I forgot. Me too, man. This end. Me too. This it massive really hurt my heart, man. Industrial workyard and. Zuko's walking. It's abandoned. It It almost looks like you know. I mean, I like to think that not only is this a workyard where people have worked, but they haven't even like ten years maybe. Right. This is like an abandoned part of the city. You know, no one is gonna see him here. And then this metal foot just stomps down behind him. He says, "Oh, I've heard of you before." I didn't write down the the dialogue on this because I was just like, oh, I forgot. <laughs> um, yeah, me neither. It's okay, though. And, Paraphrase. Uh, we see his metal hand. And basically the point is he has heard about this person who seems like an assassin, a bounty hunter or something. And he says, I want you to find the avatar and I want you to end him. And then we just get this massive musical hit and swell as we get the first view of the face of this bounty hunter and the eye tattoo on his forehead. And it's, it's, they make such a big deal out of it, of zooming in on that eye tattoo and the music swell. You're like, what is that? (laughs) This, honestly, to me, is the show going. I know that we hyped up the Fire Lord that much, and I know that we wanted you to have a thematic feeling that was a really fulfilling thematic feeling when Mm -hmm. you saw him. So it wasn't able to satisfy (laughs) your needs for, like, a bad guy face. So here you fucking go. He is like Darth Vader of Star Wars, where the Fire Lord is Palpatine. You know, he is like... This is what evil looks like. Uh-huh. He's got a fucking metal arm and fucking metal leg and a tattoo yep. of an eye on where his third eye would be and he is his facial guy. hair and his, I don't know, Dave Batista looking face. Right. Like, he's just so... I feel like this dude might not even... We don't know yet. Can he firebend? What does he I do? Don't I don't even care. I he's don't scary as fuck. <laughs> yep. 
And that's the last thing we're left with. It's just, quite yeah. an episode ender. But we still got to talk about a kid moment of the week. Kid moment of the week. So for me, there were like four reaction shots alone that could have oh, done it. Absolutely. But fire, wang fire <laughs> is yeah. I do like in general. Sokka as Wang Fire yes. is one of my yeah. favorite things in the whole show, I think. His voice, the shape of the beard even. Like, there's something about everything yeah, going totally. on with it that is just beyond genius to me. Oh, there's Do so many good down? reaction shots. I marked down a lot in this episode, actually. Um, but I think I think you're right. I think it's got to be uh, Sokka or as Or the inhibitions just disappearing and then coming back. That was funny. <laughs> but I think best of all is Sokka at the end saying, yes. I can't because it's permanently glued to my face. Like, that is little kid funny. And also little kid, like, I'm going to just be a character. You know, like. That's yeah. And he keeps the character voice when exactly he says it, which is like the what main... hits. It's the nail in the coffin. Yep. yep. Oh, man. That's a good episode. Uh, this is I keep I think my I, favorite episodes are the ones I don't think are gonna be yeah great and then they're amazing. Yep, you know. Yep. Well, that's all for this one. I think if you want to listen to another podcast, we've got our actual play Dungeons and Dragons podcast, Legendary Four Adventures, Space Vampires. Thank you, Gary. Uh, you can find that and all of these episodes on legendaryfour.com. Uh, as well as comment sections on all those episodes, please uh, reach out to us as well as on social media at New Lens Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And thank you to Sofina Sago for our podcast art. And check out, if you're able, those list of donation links to the Black Lives Matter movement in the description. We'll be back on Sunday with episode three. Uh, but until then, I hope you all stay safe. I'm Calvin. I'm Gary. This has been a new lens. Hotman. 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 Hotman.